So can you please tell me what you had for breakfast? Oh, I had a blueberry-filled, like, mini Weetabix things. Shredded wheat. Blueberry wheats. Yeah. Sainsbury's own. Yeah, Tesco. do you know them? <laughs> yes, I yeah. love blueberry wheats. Oh, well, I only got them because they didn't have any cherry left, but uh, but they're good, <laughs> oh, actually. I cherry. like the blueberry ones. Cherry's uh, better, I think. Really? I like all things that are flavoured cherry. Can I suggest, if this wasn't... Do you if, need a bit more length? That, no, uh, yeah, I need more length, Keith. Okay. But if it was just... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. But if, it was, right? if it was in front of this thing, then oh, that might do oh, it. Diva. You know, I'm just... It's just what Jerry Halliwell taught me. Have you filmed the the second series of Altogether Now yet? Second series has been out. It's been uh, on TV and the Christmas special as well. Was it what? Was that the second series I watched then? Uh, which I thought was. Which was the party that you had a year at Freedom Bar? Um, that was the rap party. The one that I came to, or the one what? that I didn't come to. It's <laughs> 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 probably been one for Ooh, each year. Gossip girl. <laughs> Oh no no no! It's nothing. No, it's nothing bad. I just had a gig. I came to the one after the first year party, and that yeah. and you were here with Faye, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was here. That was the first year. Are you shitting me? That was um twenty. So that was the end of twenty seventeen. A lot that we now. had the party. Oh no no no! It was the airing. We had the party at the airing of the last episode. So it was April twenty eighteen. Not- and there's been a Christmas special. Yeah. And a second series, and we've been cancelled. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why is that? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the official. Uh, well, I mean, I, presumably it's to do with ratings, but we haven't really been given a, a, a proper yeah. reason why we've been cancelled. It's, it's, yeah, it's 15, I think, that now there's 15 different countries that have all together now as a format, and um, and we were the first one. Yeah. So uh, it's a, so they would have bought it yeah. on the uh, on the performances that we all gave. Oh yeah, are you, are you, do you know what I mean? Are you are you contributing to this? <laughs> yeah, I am. But I got paid. But oh, that is true, though. You work in TV. This is true, yeah. isn't it? So I got paid to make the program for BBC One, and, and yeah. appallingly badly, I might add. I got paid, like, and so did everybody else. Um, it's the BBC. You should have been yeah, like, no? everybody gets paid appallingly by the BBC. I'm not sure Jerry or Rob did, but everyone else got paid very badly. And so, I think oh, you need to answer your phone. Go ahead, phone. Sorry, sorry, I thought I'd put you that take on if you silent. want. No, it's my husband. Don't need to answer that. Oh, I hope he's not going to be listening to this. Oh yeah, he'll probably listen to this, won't he? Oh no. So, husband, if you if you hear this, I should have turned my phone on silent, and you're just on your way back from Italy, where you're visiting your aunt, and I'll see you in a few hours. <laughs> I just like to welcome. It is the Shades of Gay podcast that you're listening to, and I'd like to welcome. It's Paulus. I've got it right. It's got Paulus. That's that's my stage name. <laughs> That's how people at home know me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, Paulus, to the stage. Uh, it's Shade of Gay. Shades of Gay, that's right. Shades Let of Gay. Let me do that one again. Do you want to do it again? Do it again. <laughs> it's only orange juice as well. How, how long so, has this show been running for? What's the title? <laughs> Shades of Gay. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> I should have done my vocals first. Gades of Shade. <laughs> Don't start that. Don't start that. <laughs> just like to welcome Paulus to the Shades of Gay. <laughs> That sounds wrong. Do you <laughs> Gades of Shay. That sounds better. Do you with know? your host, Shay. <laughs> Shay. I'm Shay. Are you okay with your... You seem to be like your headset. Am I all wrapped Have you up? ever worn... I mean, you were seeing it. Come on. Have you ever worn headphones? I think I've just worn quali- better quality ones than this before, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Such a bitch. <laughs> I've been in my house for two days on my own, and I'm a bit baffled as to be it. As to what I'm doing out in public, really. Uh, <laughs> I sometimes have to just go and retreat uh, and and hide for a few days, which is what I've been doing for the last couple. Okay. And uh, and I'm still sort of just wandering around like a cat that's got lost, going, oh. <laughs> Are you recovering from being backflipped in Markham? That's exactly right. <laughs> and that is not a euphemism. No. I really was backflipped by a stranger in Morecambe, in fancy dress, uh, next to uh, the Midland Hotel. So yeah. if anybody was at Vintage by the Sea in Morecambe this <laughs> weekend, which was, um, I'm not sure when this is going out, but it's uh, the yeah. end of August, beginning of September. Hello, I was the ringmaster that got backflipped. So now I think I think you need to develop on that story. So why <laughs> why, does, why does someone backflip you? Well, I go around the country um, hosting and comparing events uh, in my guise as a ringmaster. And I would like to 
uh, very, very swiftly add that I've been doing that for much longer than the greatest showman movie has been going on. I've been doing it for 20 years. And, uh, and I do a lot of family friendly daytime events there, often uh, about um, making do and mending, upcycling, or vintage themes and brilliant events like. Uh, okay. The Festival of Thrift in a Red Car and Darlington. I do the Urban Village Fate in North Greenwich. And a lot of them are with, um, in collaboration with Wayne Hemingway, who yeah. used to be Red or Dead. And now he does events like this up and down the country. Um, yeah. And so this year, for the first time, I went to Morecambe. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> Morecambe. And it was all set around this gorgeous uh, hotel called the Midland Hotel, uh, okay. which is Art Deco. And tons of vintage enthusiasts came from all around the country. They look fantastic. And I was there as my ringmaster character to introduce musical acts and tell people what was going on. And yeah. there was the best in show for people that are dressed up. Oh. There was a pooch parade. I, I don't know. When we're talking pooch, bear in mind is the shades of gay. It's not like puppy play. Oh, I wish. No. <laughs> oh, do you know? Oh God. It went on for hours and the rain was sheeting down sideways uh, and we were sheeting. On, Sheeting, yeah, <laughs> sheeting down. And we were on Morecambe Bay. We were behind the Midland Hotel and uh, we had uh, 10 different categories. It was like um, cutest bitch, most handsome dog. It was called uh, prettiest bitch was the name of the okay. category. Prettiest bitch, most handsome dog. And then there was one where they got dressed up. The dogs had yeah. been dressed up by the owners and the owners dressed up in a similar way. Then there was tricks, dogs okay. doing tricks. Then there was musical sits. So the dogs all come into the pen, you play some music, and when the music stops, the last dog to sit is eliminated. It was, and it went on for an, an hour, this whole thing. I've never worked with dogs before, never been to Morecambe before, I've never stood in the sheeting rain for an hour before, voluntarily. And I about 45 minutes in, I thought, I must have dropped some acid and someone's not said, because this isn't really happening. And I'm co-hosting it with Wayne Hemingway of Red or Dead, who I used to watch on the telly when I was a child, you know, and I was just like, what is going on here? It was bizarre. I, I'm not really sure on that. Like the idea of either dressing as your dog or the dog dressing as you. That's a bit. To me, that's a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know, it's a bit like there should be a law somewhere about this. Well, I don't think people were. Well, I don't know what they look like the rest of the time because I didn't. I only met them for one day. But yeah, I don't think that they decided to get the dogs to look like them. I think they chose a theme and they had complementary outfits. Oh, like you his know. and his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you do? Because you said you've been together out twelve years. Just recently, with my dog. Just <laughs> with your dog. It's kind of should be dead now, no? Yes, it has been dead for three of those years. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry I, just, I just haven't got around to stuffing you. <laughs> but yeah, you've just celebrated your 12th year anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, and I've got something for you. Oh, oh nice. look at that. It's normally booing. That's sure, what I get from I audience. I thought you used to warm hand on your entrance. <laughs> I normally get booed when I'm <laughs> recording a studio. Um, Thank you. That was actually the day I was doing the pooch parade in Morecambe and my okay. husband was in Italy uh, with a member of his family because we've had a death in the family. Oh, sorry. So we didn't see each other and we didn't even talk on the phone on our, on our 12th anniversary. No. But I have managed it. Yeah, I have, I've nabbed myself some poor worm and I've kept him for, well, we've been together 16 years now. Now you said something. I mean, people that, a lot of the people that, no, actually no, I would say a lot of people that listen to this, but I've got an older audience that listens to Shares of Gay. Now you met uh, not from grinding, not an app or anything like that. You met, <laughs> not necessarily traditional, but on a website, didn't you? Website. Yeah, we met on Gaydar. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, it was when you still had to dial up to, you know, get on the internet. <laughs> Did you have AOL online? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they used to make that awful screechy noise if you yeah. picked up the phone, the landline, as if people have a landline now. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, used to go, and I went, oh no, I was just chatting to four really well hung men and now they're all gone. <laughs> Someone's picked up the phone. It was back, it was back then before apps. And lo there are a lot of people that uh, say to me, how did you meet your husband? And I say gaydar and they're like, I'm sorry, what, what is, yeah. what is that? I was like, should we talk about VHSs and faxes as well? Why mm -hmm. else do you want to talk about Ina Sharples? Oh, you are going back I'm some. I'm just old, all right? Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Ina Sharples. Now, gaydar, I remember, that I, literally, me and uh, a colleague of mine, we just did an interview with uh, a company called Means Happy, which is owned by gaydar. Oh, they're yeah. It's still around somewhere, yeah. so maybe you can get your money back. <laughs> Uh, I never paid to be on Gator. He did. I didn't. So there's nothing to. There's nothing to pay me back. 
I'm quite happy though, having met him. He's, uh, I've done all right. So, um, did you say you've got a colleague that you record with? Where are they? No, no, this is not this podcast. Oh, so, so, that's oh, something no, else. we're going something. Oh, we don't talk about me on this podcast. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. No, I thought talking... there was a co-host that I wasn't allowed to meet or something. <laughs> no, I'm who not. has refused to come on because I <laughs> don't want to meet yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I've met you before. <laughs> like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, no, I, I do. I, I have a, a separate podcast called Thirsty Bitch. It's a little bit more adult. Thirsty what? Thirsty bitch. Oh, I thought you said thirsty bits. Then. <laughs> Which is quite, I think that's quite a good time. my accent. Thirsty I told bits. you I'm trying to lose the accent. Where are you from? I'm Yorkshire. Which bit of Yorkshire? I'm asking you questions, this. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did that to someone last week as well. <laughs> this is the Shares of Gay with the host, Paulus. <laughs> no, so keep that enough. shirt. Is it from a catalogue? Because <laughs> if it was, you'd be able to send it back. <laughs> Such a twat. <laughs> We won't go into Gingham. Um, <laughs> so let's go back. Let's regress a little bit. Um, all right. So when you were young, you, you've been an entertainer from like... What do you mean when I was young? What? No. <laughs> Younger. You, when you was a child. Right. Thank you. <laughs> when you were young. When you were a child, you, you was an entertainer right from being... You knew quite early doors that you was an entertainer. I mean, you, 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 yeah. was a, you started off being a singer first, was it? Um, oh, you uh, tried. <laughs> I'm still trying. The first thing, well, yeah, I, I was in uh, like plays and uh, pantomimes in the village hall and plays at school from mm. when I was really, really young. And I was very, I was just that sort of quintessential precocious child who insisted on putting on a little play or a little show yeah. when we had a family party or when we went around to somebody's house. And my friend Sally and I, <laughs> she hears this, she's going to be really embarrassed. Um, my friend Sally and I used to spend boxing day together with our families. And we used to always force our families to sit and watch us do some God awful performance, which we'd been practicing in the room next door from the adults for hours and hours and hours. Oh, and she now works for the government. <laughs> <laughs> she's a lawyer for the government. <laughs> so that explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm one of those. I'm one of those yeah. awful, precocious. Uh, yeah. Just look at me. Look at me. People. Okay. My mum said you can do. You can be in this play, or you can go to dance classes, or yeah. you can go to this drama club, or whatever it might be. She, she said you can go, and she would pay for it. Mm. Um, but she said you have got to stay. So if, you've got to stay for the whole term. Okay. If it was a club. And if it was a show, you can't change your mind. You've got to do it. There, there was, it was very clear. There'd be no ducking out. If you change your mind, you see it through until an appropriate exit, like the end of term or whatever. So she made that really clear. And that stuck with me. And, um, and, and served me pretty well, I think, over the yeah. years. I'm not, not in my relationships, but uh, in everything else. And my dad just drove me everywhere. He just spent his entire life picking me up from drama clubs or tap okay. dancing or plays and making me egg and chips in between, oh, un uncomplainingly. He's brilliant at egg and chips, my yeah, dad. Yeah. Is it one of those like deep frats where you get them black bits all over them? Well, yeah, we used to, yeah, a long time ago. We, you know when people used to just have the same oil? Yeah, that's it. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you would inherit it from your mother when she yeah. here's the oil <laughs> and here's the deep fat fryer we were yeah. one of those families yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, i loved all them crispy black bits that went all they're the best chips. bits aren't yeah, they? they are the yeah. best but that's i mean that's quite considering you said that your your family is quite or are or was quite religious at the time so accepting something like drama with a boy did you you didn't find anything at the time that was a little bit no there wasn't anything from from my family there wasn't anything overtly they weren't disapproving of drama or theatre at all. I think they I think they've always appreciated the importance of the arts. Mm. Uh turning it into a job is is another matter, of yeah. course. And but I didn't ever have a conversation with either of my mum or my dad saying you know, get a trade first okay. and then yeah. see. Because I have lots of friends who who are like forced by their parents to go to hairdressing college first and then you can go to yeah. drama school or something like that. And I've, I've read this thing recently, uh, uh, like if you if you have a trade to fall back on, you will do. And it was oh, like okay. a meme I saw and I was yeah. like, oh, that's my whole world blown. That <laughs> yeah. is. Um, but I never did have that thing to fall yeah. back on. I never did anything else. I just, you know... Uh, I think it just became really abundantly clear that I was a massive show-off and people are going to have to pay attention to me. <laughs> and I didn't really realise it myself. I, so when I got to... I left school at 16. Yeah. Um, 
Oh no! When? How old are you when you do your A levels? Eighteen. I left school at eighteen, um, <laughs> and I was been working. That long. <laughs> yes, such a long time ago. I can't remember. Um, I was working in the cathedral gift shop in Canterbury, where near where I grew up, and I worked with all these lovely, lovely older women, these middle-aged women. And they, I, well, I hope they think I was their friend too. I certainly thought they were my friends, and they, some of them were. I mean, some of them were absolute cows, but there was a few <laughs> that were very, very nice to me. And Mia, Mia worked in the back room near the main till. So if ever I got to work on main till, it meant I could basically chat to Mia all day. Mm-hmm. Mia was fantastic, uh, and uh, she just said something like apropos of nothing. She said, "Oh yeah, but you'll be off soon to drama school." I said, "Oh, will I?" <laughs> And she said, yes, of course you will. You're 17 years old, you pillock. You're not staying here with us old women. Get out. Oh, nice. And she, yeah. yeah. And the next day I applied for a drama school because, well, because she told me to. <laughs> <laughs> I just do what people tell me. To. Well, I, I did then. I don't anymore. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not, I've read on Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, acting and singing and that kind of thing was uh, what you wanted to do from being early on. If you are listening to any sounds in the background, are you there? We are recording ah, live yeah. from B- Freedom Bar in Soho on the entertainment venue. It's all right. Don't apologise. You just come to work, love. You make yourself <laughs> at home. Oh, she's taking her bra off now. Oh, oh it's not a sheet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we are broadcasting live from Freedom Bar. So I thought you were entertaining. It may as well be an entertainment venue. I've yeah. been on this stage before. Um, yeah, a long, long time ago, I performed here in drag when I was, I used to have, have a drag actor called Trinity Million. And uh, okay. I was, uh, I worked at Mandarin Jojo's around the corner and we came here to do a private party one night. And I think Brian Connolly was here. And I think I span <laughs> him around the dance floor shouting, it's a puppet into people's faces. <laughs> I think that's what happened. You'd had a few <laughs> drinks though. Probably not. No, I was just excited to be out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what made you go into drag then? Because you've been, you've been doing drag for quite some time now, no? Yeah, it was, um, I left drama school. I got yeah. thrown out of drama school. I oh, didn't, oh, here we go. Gossip girl. I didn't graduate from drama <laughs> Why? school. I ran out of money. Um, oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, it, I mean, I, un- I understand and I understood then that if you can't afford something, then you can't have it. Um, but it was, un- it was very difficult because um, I-, I approached the school and I told them that I didn't have any money and I was going to have to leave. And that was near the end of sort of halfway through the year of mm. my third year and the headmaster had just taken over running the school and he'd gone on a training course presumably to learn how to be a headmaster or something I don't know and he was gone for a really long time and all the people that were supposed to be running the place while he was away they just wouldn't make a decision about me so they just sort of kept going oh. well write to some famous people see if you can raise some money you know and <laughs> they just they just just let me keep turning up every day and part of me yeah. was like oh great but the other part of me was like I really want to know Am I going or am I staying? What is yeah. it? I, but, so we got to the um, uh, this Christmas holidays, um, no, summer holidays, and I was still there, came yeah. back after the summer for our final term, you know, one more big show to do, and then a graduation in a West End theatre, and then agents and casting directors all getting to see you, 300 people all getting to see you um, perform. And suddenly the headmaster was back. He called me into his office and he said, do you have the money that you owe us and can you pay it today? I said, no, I don't. He said, then you need to go to your locker and clear it out immediately. Like a a criminal. Oh, wow. (laughs) To get on those boards across your chest next to your locker. (laughs) Guilty. Um, And and I I remember saying to him, uh, I I happened to know that there was somebody in a similar situation in Mm. the year above me and... A payment plan was sorted out and, and, and he was able to stay. And, and he just said, that's hearsay. Wow. And I was like, no, that's a band. Um, <laughs> no, they didn't exist back then. <laughs> they weren't born back then. Uh, he said, that's hearsay. And, yeah. you know, pushed me out of his office towards my locker. I was gone. Wow. Um, so, you know, uh, these things happen. And yeah. a lot worse has happened to many uh, to, to uh, people than that. But yeah. it, it was, it was a, a bit of a false start i suppose yeah. but did, 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 did that give you a bit of a knockback or was it did it give you more incentive to do what you wanted to do then yeah i did lie on the sofa crying <laughs> i did watching trisha and eating oh. blocks of cheese and dipping it into peanut butter um wow. oh, no it's mayonnaise I used to dip blocks of cheese into jars of mayonnaise when i was depressed Jesus Christ! yeah it's really good you that's should a, try it it's a heart attack <laughs> waiting to happen that one isn't it i'll give that god tonight when i go home yeah it's really nice um <laughs> 
Um, and then I pulled myself together and I started to try and find my own work. And I was working as a waiter in a cocktail bar. I was. <laughs> was, was, was. With the Human League, was you? I was working as a waiter in a cocktail bar around the corner in the Dome in Old Compton Street. There used to be a venue called the Dome. Okay. Yeah. And two drag queens from Madam Jojo's came in for lunch. Yeah. They weren't in drag, but, yeah. you know, I wanted to make a tip, so I was friendly with them and talked to them. And it was really quiet, so I talked to them for quite a long time. Yeah. They were very nice to me, and uh, they told me what they did. And I was like, oh, I'm an actor, I'm a performer. That sounds exciting, that sounds glamorous. And anyway, they got me an audition for uh, yeah. to become a showgirl at Madame Jojo's the next week. Yeah. I started sleeping with one of them immediately. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I got the job. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh God, I've just put those things together for the first time in my life. <laughs> oh, that's another pause moment here. <laughs> I've only just realised I only got the job because I was sleeping with someone. Oh, Is no. that how he got on TV? <laughs> you have to ask Jerry Halliwell. Um, so I started working at Madame Jojo's in yeah. drag and I never... I never really stopped to think, oh, it's drag, or yeah. I'm going to become a drag queen, or, or I'm being a drag queen. It was just a job. Yeah, but it's, it's quite an intense job, because you've got all that makeup to put on, you've got, you know, it's... <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what it entailed when I said yes to it. I had none at bit. all. No, no it, you're right, though. You're absolutely right. It is a very intense job, and it, it yeah. does involve a lot. I and mean, I didn't appreciate that in the slightest. Oh, yeah. pardon me, just that. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to say do... it's the wine, but it's not. It's not spark. I wouldn't be able to do that again if I tried. It was so well. <laughs> um, so I, I had these two. Um, I suppose now they'd be called drag mothers, but we didn't really okay. say things like that in the London back then. Mm. Um, so Kitty Cartier and Crystal Wade were my drag mothers um, at Madame Jojo's, and I had a comedy partner called Penny Century. It isn't called Penny Century anymore. She's called Farrah Mills and she's a, a singer and she makes films and I love her. Mm. Uh, and Kitty taught me how to put on makeup and Crystal taught me how to take it off without getting glitter everywhere. Because <laughs> she was a biker and she liked to go to parks after work in her leathers. And if you if you got glitter on her yeah. or if she didn't get her glitter off properly so that some was still left on her face and she went to a park in her leathers and been all butch and, yeah. and was trying to hook up with someone she would be f absolutely fuming That's that funny. you know she was very very paranoid that yeah. if the that 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 the, those two things didn't cross over yeah like the glitter and the leather shouldn't or couldn't well, mix oh, it's like sand in your crack and <laughs> <laughs> i think to be honest with you but i think in the you know the late 90s early noughties that is the lot that is how yeah. people gay people felt you were you were either a drag queen and therefore not to be slept with or loved or, you know, you should be laughed at, possibly, you know, okay. applauded um, on on a stage or you were sexual and you had a sex life. And uh, and 20 years ago to to find, I know there were young people listening to this thinking this is utterly bizarre, yeah. but th that that was my experience. That's, I gave up drag for a long time because I thought I'm never, ever, ever going to find somebody to love me because they're just, everybody was anti what I did for a living. They assumed it was something I did in the bedroom as well, or that yeah. it was a kink, or and and it never has been. I wouldn't care if it was. I'd tell you if it was. It just never yeah. has been. That's my job. That's like working at Greg's and keeping your overall on when you come home to your husband. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just that's not my idea. Of... <laughs> I'm thinking the smell of the cheese and onion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want a bit of pasty tonight, don't you? Steak oh. bake. <laughs> <laughs> I think people do even now I think people find like drag queens or obviously transsexuals all that it is just all part of the same kink yeah I think people find that even even now so so I think it has got a lot more sexual to one sense than it maybe was right because I, I, mean, just, I, just, I don't know why I just, maybe maybe I'm let me and Crystal were alone in this but I don't think I, we were because everybody I you know what liked they liked me and then they found out that I was a drag queen and then they mm. went off me it's very bizarre nearly everyone my husband is, notwithstanding is that is that because they don't see the entertainment part or they just see the fact that you want to dress up as a, like a woman quote, I, think, I think most people thought it was a fetish yeah and that it wasn't a job and it was something that i did because for pleasure yeah or, or that if it was a job um that that you know, bled out into the, the bit, what you do in the bedroom. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, I guess something like your drag, your, your, your entertainment side in the drag queens, they're just doing, you're, you're doing pantomime this year. Oh, no, I'm not. 
Okay. Oh. No, I am. You're right. I'm Jean Fenton. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's behind me. My career. <laughs> oh. Um, I am. I'm going to Ipswich yeah. to the Regent Theatre in Ipswich mm. to do Cinderella. And I am. Uh, I don't know how this has happened. I mean, obviously, there's been a mistake. I've been cast as an ugly sister. Yeah. I thought I was agreeing to play Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly the fairy godmother. I'm not. I'm an ugly sister with my best friend Gavin, who got me the job actually. Yeah. Oh God, there's it's another. There's more nepotism. There there? Is. I just <laughs> with that one as well. <laughs> oh Christ! I'm Any a, jobs you got? They didn't sleep. Awful away, human being. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll be in Ipswich doing that for Christmas, and I have done a lot of panto, but a lot of it's been adult panto with really filthy, filthy, dirty script to it. You know, in, in pantomime, there's normally a lot of doublon Yes. We don't bother with that. We just no. do. We just come on and say fuck and walk off again. You, d- you didn't do the one in Leicester Square Theatre, did you? Like a few years ago. Few years uh, ago. Oh, that's that's very interesting. Um, so I used to when Leicester Square Theatre first opened, I ran the basement mm. space. Uh, I bet you did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's not called the basement anymore, but it, mm. it was called the basement, and I ran that for Martin, who ran the theatre for a short time, uh, and uh, I also. Um, hosted a cabaret called Sideshow, which he co-produced with me. Mm. And my co-star at this cabaret, I was the compere and he was the DJ, was Stuart Saint, also known as Margaret the Gimp. And Stuart mm. is the person that put on the pantomimes for the last decade or so at Leicester Square wow. Theatre. Yeah, that's yeah. And I was running my own, uh, yeah. and I had been for 15 years, uh, on a vote on the Thames at the same time. So no is the short answer, but yeah, they crossed, <laughs> yeah, they crossed over. And mine were first. <laughs> crucially, <laughs> crucially, mine were first. And Martin and Stuart only yeah. know each other because of me. Uh, other than that, I wish them tremendous luck and love. Obviously, <laughs> I, I, I can see the face now. You can't listen to this audio. <laughs> but you, you've not always been in front of the camera. You've not always been the, the singer that gets seen. You've not always been the drag queen that's entertaining people. You've done a lot behind the scenes as well, haven't you? You've been like an agent. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what what made you change from being wanted to be in the spotlight to actually I don't mind helping people? Um. Uh, well, I became an agent. Uh, accidentally. Um, of course. <laughs> would, you, would you sleep with? <laughs> well, my husband. Um, <laughs> so he, when I met my husband, he worked in TV. And that's not how I got my job in television, oh, by the way. Um, There's a pattern going no, on here in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he just left. He, was, he used to distribute uh, TV clips. So you know when you see those things like um, the 100 worst things that happened in 1994 yes and he would be you know he would buy and sell those little clips to other television programs uh, and uh, his company got bought out by the bbc and he didn't want to stay and so from meeting a man you know with a ch- house in chelsea and a porsche to uh, and this great job at the bbc two months later he didn't have any of those things and i was like oh what's going on what's something's gone horribly wrong here and so he was looking for something new to do and I went to this agency that I was working for to collect some money. Um, and very unusual to go to the offices and collect my money in cash. And uh, mm. in fact, I'd never even met these people before, but I'd emailed and phoned with them for years. Yeah. And I got there and Matilda, who runs the agency, she's massively pregnant. And I say to her, oh, what, what's happening when you have your baby? Because that looks like it's going to happen like any minute, right? And yeah. she said, oh, I think we're selling the agency. Do you know anyone that wants to buy it? So I went home and I told my husband and he said, oh, let's buy it. I said, well, do you want to like that? Well, yeah. I said, all right, okay. well, you want to run it? He said, yes, I'll run it. Because I, I ran a production house which put on cabarets and the pantomimes and stuff. And he said, well, it will add value to what you do. So I'll run the agency side. Excuse me. And you carry on running the productions and together mm. will be this, you know, we'll take over the world. Of course. So we did that. And he was... Horrible at it. He was really bad at it. (laughs) And after about six months, I had to fire him. Like, yeah, home, 6 a.m. in the morning, and the uh, kitchen tap had broken. And uh, I was really angry about that. And so I took the opportunity to fire him at the same time. It just was like, it just wasn't working that we were both self employed and we were both working from home and we were both sticking our necks out on something that may or may not bring in Mm. some money. So we, we, we had to sit down and we had a chat about whether this was very sensible and what was more realistic. And uh, basically, we found him a new career in the charity sector, which he is amazing Not at. volunteer. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's, the head of, he's the head of philanthropy for the Eden Project in Cornwall oh, now. Lovely, yeah. He went to, he, he's been with the RHS and Kew Gardens, and now yeah. he's the first director of philanthropy at Eden Project. And he's, 
utterly brilliant at his job. So it was the right thing to do. But it meant I had an agency to run and I didn't want to run it. I never wanted it in the first place. And I didn't want to run it, but I did run it for 10 years. And it was pretty miserable for most of oh, it. No. <laughs> There's a lot of mayonnaise in jars of, you know, cheese and stuff. Big block of cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what happened to that then after the 10 years during that time? What do you do with well, it's your It's still agency? for sale, actually. If you, want the, if you want the database, I can sell it to you. <laughs> How many is on there, mate? The you? brand, you know, it's, it's just on me. There. Me and Jerry Nin- Halliwell. <laughs> yeah. 98 other people. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically my address book is what it is, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I closed that down, oh, I got, I don't know, about three or four years ago now. It feels like yeah. a million years ago. And I I went into performing full-time again after that. And I, I never, I've never looked back. It feels like a million years ago that I ran the yeah. agency. I, I can't believe I did it for so long. And I can't believe how unhappy I was and how poor I was because it wasn't working. It wasn't, I wasn't very good at it and it wasn't. Yeah. It was a very bad time to run an agency, to become an agent. Mm. I mean, I became an agent at exactly the same time as everybody else realized they didn't need one. They could just, you know, Facebook people yeah. and use Twitter and everything else. Yeah. It's like when I made my album. I, I made my CD the year people stopped buying CDs and started downloading things. It was just like, oh, <laughs> release a cassette. <laughs> everything is too late. Yeah. <laughs> so why 10 years then? What, what, what took you so long? I was bloody mindedness, really. Um, I will get this right. I will do this. I will make it a success. So you just think, right, if I sleep with this person. And if, I I, start... if I'd slept with more people than I'd been an agent. But I didn't go out very often because the agency was run by my home, you see. So yeah. that's why. It's because I never left the house quick enough, long enough to sleep with someone. Um, I think I think the other reason that I stuck at it was I'd, I'd got into my head the idea of not performing anymore, of not enjoying performing. Okay. I got to a stage where I'd, I'd put on quite a lot of weight and I was, you know, I would just stand under a stage light and I would be sweating profusely because I'd put too much weight on. That's all the cheese and the, oh, you mayo. Know, the mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, and and I'd started to get a bit, I don't know, I was just getting a bit sick of audiences talking amongst themselves or shouting over me and just being, uh, you know, working in clubs and working in cabarets. A, a lot mm. of the job is to is to facilitate someone's good night out. And that's yeah. right. That is my job and that is the right thing to do. But sometimes when you're just when you're always background when you're just like constantly just like being overlooked whilst mm. people scream and shout you just think well what why am i actually yeah. i don't know why i'm actually here you don't come across like that because i think the first time i ever met you i was at the toulouse lautrec toulouse lautrec toulouse what was the name <laughs> of it i keep getting mistaken with toulouse lautrec Le, yeah, that's it is right. that, that's it. Yeah, Toulouse-Lautrec. yeah. When a, when a mutual yeah. friend, I think you know, you uh, Faye, don't you? Who yeah. used to come? We met at Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> well, she didn't last long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, but there, and you, you're very, you're a very outgoing kind of person, very strong. Yeah, I was back, I was back in it by then because yeah. it was, that wouldn't have been long ago. It was maybe three years ago at the very mm. most I would have met you. And I was back in it by then. When I came back, I was like, you're not going to, no one's going to talk over me. Yeah. If I'm going on stage, I'm going to be fucking silence throughout the room. Mm. And if that means standing there completely silently for 20 minutes, yeah. like a teacher, you know, like it's your own time you're wasting. <laughs> yeah. Just like uh, that. Uh, actually, you know, a lot of that whole, you know, being ignored was something that I'd allowed to happen. Yeah. Because audiences are like little kids, you know, at a children's party you give them lots of sugar you can't be surprised if they run around and, try and ignore you and don't you know and don't abide all your rules you have yeah. to be really clear about what it is that's expected of audiences just like you have to with little kids or a pet yeah. because you know add alcohol to somebody that's dressed up in the best h&m yeah. you know <laughs> Ooh, <she> comes. Blouse. <laughs> And coming out, I'm coming out on a Friday. I'm going out, out, and they want to have a good time, you know. Yeah. And, and I want them to have a good time too. But also, shut the fuck up. I'm on stage, and yeah. I'm fabulous. Yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you. You said you recorded an album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I shouldn't have of... mentioned it really because I'm not very proud of it. Well, I think when I did my research into you beforehand, I noticed that there's quite a few clips of you having a good old belt out of tune. Yeah, B flat. Or so <laughs> so I, I might uh, I might pop one into into this uh, the the interview. Oh yeah, do so. don't find the album because that's awful. Um, find one of the more uh, recent things. There is a lovely recording. Uh, I, I've been writing a musical with a guy called Jordan Clark. He's mm. twenty three. He's written eight musicals. Eight He's musicals. Twenty three. I was like, but don't you masturbate like everybody else? I think I think we all do. 
uh, and he's just finished uh, he's just left the Royal Academy of Music and he's uber talented and also mm. uber lovely um, and I thought I was going to become his mentor but it turns out that uh, he's become mine uh, and maybe we, yeah. we, we are each other's but it's marvellous writing songs with him and working with him it is a, a true honour and the first song we ever wrote together is called Tribe and I and actually that's the one I'd love you to put in here if there was time it, I wrote Tribe because uh, well when I did it at the RVT at Ducky, um, oh, Ducky. which was mm. the second time it had ever been performed it was a Saturday, obviously a Saturday night at the RBT. It was Ducky. It was introduced by my friend Amy LeMay. Yeah. And I've been to Ducky before on and off for 10 years as a performer. And it's it's gone fine. And But but there's been hit and miss because Ducky is hit and miss. And performing at Ducky is hit and miss depending on what you offer and what yeah. the crowd's like. And it's a packed night and I'm on at midnight and I'm like, oh, no, I'm really better at 11 o'clock because I'm a bit wordy, you know. But I've been put on at midnight because I'm, I'm a short notice replacement for someone else. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and so I keep saying to Amy, just, you know, get them to shut up because, you know, it's midnight and they were all having a nice time. And they're having a lovely time and they're dancing with the tops off and there's 600, you know, queers all having a fabulous time. And I'm about to come out and sing a pat three patter songs at mm. them with massive amount of words and story and stuff. And this last one, Tribe, it's uh, it's a bit of an, I suppose it's a bit of an anthem. And I just said to them, oh, I, I, I shouldn't even really be singing this here because I think I'll be singing to the converted. It's for those people that haven't found somewhere like Ducky or the RVT right. yet. People that live in, you know, small villages like the one I grew up in who feel that, that they are other and don't fit in and uh, feel disenfranchised and they don't know if they'll ever find a place in the world where they are accepted mm. and where they'll find their tribe, which is the yeah. name of the song. And then I sing the song. <laughs> complete silence for three minutes for the whole song these wonderful wonderful people yeah. and then they went all, all went wild it was oh. really really nice it was lovely oh. um, so you can sing a ballad the yeah. story the, the, the moral of the story is you can sing a ballad a heartfelt ballad to drunken people who've been dancing with their tops off and snorting anything they can find um, <laughs> at midnight uh, in London and they will still if they're the right people and it's, the, and it's a cool place like the RBT they will still listen and they will still engage sure. with you. I think that's a good point to actually have a listen to Tribe. By, is it by Paulus or is it, is it just Paulus and something? Paulus or? and Jordan Clark, of course. Paulus and Jordan Clark. Here's a little snippet from Tribe. <laughs> I'm the leader, won't you follow me? Echo back, echo back. Even if I knew I belonged to you, how can I approach risking that you'll ghost? Even if I knew of a song for me. What's my sign? What's my rising? Is this the right key? How's my phrasing? For want of making choices I'm stuck with others' voices Calling out Calling out Just do you, but what the hell is that supposed to be? There we are, that's it. I'd like to say I've heard it, but obviously I'll put that in after we've spoken. <laughs> So it's amazing. It's fabulous, darling. It's was absolutely it fabulous. Did you love it? It's absolutely wonderful. Thunderbation. 
Oh, I'm glad that you loved it. I loved it too. <laughs> I just did that live, especially for all of you. <laughs> so that is true. I do find out. Where, where can you find that on Spotify, iTunes? Cassette, no, nowhere actually. Record. This is exclusive to you until uh, I do the next version of the one-man musical or one-person musical that it is in, which is, which is wow. my show. Uh, it's no. not available anywhere except uh, to you for this oh, podcast you send and on YouTube. <laughs> you can see it on my YouTube channel. That's definitely somewhere you can see and it. And what is your... Go on, type on your social media then. Oh, God, that's a good question. I th- I brought it with me, actually. because <laughs> You it's brought all, it with you. Well, it's on a card, you see, because I'm quite old. I have to write these things down. <laughs> and people keep asking, so I've, I've had them printed. Are you going? You can read Oh, there we go. The second one down, that's uh, that's the YouTube one. Read that out. Okay, so if... Oh, look at, look at this. Do you like it? It is. My, uh, you have got a, an official website as well, I've noticed. Yeah, well, so well. that's my real name. That's Paul paulmartin.com. Oh, so it's just not a fancy way of saying it's saying Paul. It's Paul L. Martin. My middle name is Luke. I, was, <laughs> I thought you'd be a fancy bitch. So it says paulelmartin.com, but it just looks like someone's spelling Paul badly, doesn't it? I just thought it'd be... It's a terrible website. No, it's not. No, I mean, the website's not terrible. Oh, the address oh, is... Terrible. Whoever designed the website. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the address, which is not their doing. It's my doing. It is. A, I've been trying to buy paulus.com and some fuckers bought it and they're not doing anything with it. Oh. And it's, I can't find paulus.com, paulus.co.uk, paulus.org, not even paulus.teach or whatever. About you know. paulusofficial.com? Um... I don't think I was even anything that simple because no. Mark did actually send me a whole list and they were all sort of tawdry, pathetic versions of of what it really should be. And I was like, oh, God, let's just leave it. Well, well <laughs> now we've told everyone what it's not. <laughs> yes, yeah, so don't look. No, but if you search for Paulus, it will come up because Mark is very good at that, you'll see. You do, you pop up and there's lots of images as well. If you just want to do a Google image search as well, you can see all the different types of Paulus. It is paulusmartin.com, B-A-U-L-L. Martin.com. You're on Facebook at Paulus Fabulous. 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 <laughs> and uh, YouTube, where the video of Tribe is, uh, so the, the song of Tribe is, is Paulus. Now, uh, Paulus Paul L. Martin. Yeah. So those are my are. two different names. It is there, yeah. So why Paulus? What made Paulus? Uh, when I was uh, 13, I started dating this girl called Sarah, who's uh, another cabaret performer. She's mm. wonderful. Um, and. Uh, she did Latin at school because she went to a much posher school than me. And uh, she did Latin at school and she started to call me, um, give me this nickname, Paulus Vandrolus. Yeah. I've never understood the Vandrolus part of it, but anyway, it's just her being silly. And I, so that's what people started to call me when I was 13. And I never really thought about it or understood it. And then sometimes people would overhear her calling me Paulus and then start calling me Paulus the Wood Gnome, which is a children's cartoon character from like Scandinavia, if you look into it. Um, I will look And worryingly, <laughs> I now look like Paulus the Wood Gnome now that I've got a white beard and no hair. Um, and then about three years, two and a half years ago, I was reading a book on Music Hall, the history of Music Hall, hmm. by John Major. See, the, the ex-Prime Minister? Yeah, no, yeah. no, he's yes, not. Yes, no, really? Yes, that John Major. <laughs> he wrote a book called My Old Man, which is about the history of music hall in this country. And he wrote it because his dad, his old man, was a music hall performer. Wow. John Major. Never knew that. Little grey John Major. Yeah. Uh, he was, you know, brought up in a trunk, a proper showbiz family. And um, his dad's name was Tom Major. And... You're not, not going to believe Tom. me. Well, that's what I'm about to oh, tell sorry, you. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're not going to believe me, but it's yeah. absolutely true. If you read the book, you'll find out. The reason that David Berry wrote the lyrics, Ground Control to Major Tom, was because he saw a poster for Tom Major's um, no. music hall show in an old venue, and that's the inspiration for the line. No way. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's really good. So cool. So I'm reading yeah. this book, yeah. and he's, uh, he's talking about performers coming over from different countries to perform in the UK in music hall in the late 1800s. And one of them, French guy, was called Paulus. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm just like, oh, it's a sign. Mm. I shall rebrand myself. <laughs> I shall rebrand myself Paulus. And so I decided, uh, because, of, because of Sarah's nicknaming me that 30 plus years ago, mm. um, so I started to use that um, for drag, for my new drag, my sort of mm. gorilla drag look and, and character that I was creating at the time. And then when the TV show came along and they said, what do you want to be known as? Because you've got to wear a badge, you know. Yeah. What, what do you want it to say on your badge? And I was like, well, I can't be called Paul because it's just, it's such a boring, um, easily forgettable mm. non-entity of a name. But also anything longer than that, much longer than that is is not easy to remember so yeah. i was like oh, 
I'm going to use Paulus. So now I'm called Paulus, whether I'm in drag or out of drag, oh, you know, yeah. dressed as a ringmaster. Um, <laughs> this just sounds like a kink. That <laughs> <laughs> Trending on Twitter because people are sending me abuse yeah. because of something I've said on the telly. Did you, did you get a lot of that when you did All Together Now? Yeah, I got loads. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, the series, fin- the finale of series two, I trended on Twitter Above Casualty and Susan Boyle. No, no, that's when you know you know, made it. After right? <laughs> what Susan the hell? Boyle. When did the hell did anyone last hear from Susan? Um, and, yeah. But she was doing something that night and people were talking about her. But they were talking about me a little bit more because I'd taken a long time to stand up um, yeah. for this girl who ultimately won the competition, uh, Shelly Ann, uh, who was wonderful. I just wanted her to open her eyes, that's all. And uh, so I waited a bit and held, up, held off, which is what I do on Altogether Now. So th- th- that was your make or break, she had to open her eyes and then you stood? Yeah. I mean, everything else about her was fantastic from the moment she walked out on stage. A fantastic singer, wonderful storyteller, everything. It's so just not- that she used to sing, she used to stand in front of us with her eyes closed and I just... As anyone that's seen me on the program knows, I have a really big thing about that, and it's, I didn't make mm. it up. I've always been like that. I've just, I just think it's rude, <laughs> and, I, and I literally find it hard to engage with a performer yeah. that has closed their eyes on me. How can I connect with what the hell they're doing? I might as well. Well, if I leave now, if we all go, yeah. <laughs> will you even notice? It's just what it is. Is it's masturbating. <laughs> it is. It's the difference between when you masturbate. It's it is masturbating instead of making love. That's what it is. Okay. Did, did, did they know that they're closing the eyes though when when they're doing it? No, is they it might not. They don't necessarily know that they're uh, okay. doing it. No, it can be very unconscious mm. for a lot of performers, and I teach this sort of thing to lots yeah. of people as well. And it, it's not that one would do it on purpose and or, or that it's conscious, but. That doesn't really matter. The effect is the same on us. We yeah. feel left out. Well, I do anyway, and I'm not oh. alone in that. You know, it's just yeah. like, excuse me, I bought my ticket. So if you want to, you know, sing to an empty room, why didn't you stay in and sing to an empty room? Why did yeah. you come here to ignore us all who have bought a ticket? It doesn't make sense. And Gosh. it's not the job. It's not the job. You're yeah, a yeah, performer. Yeah. Give something to us. Don't just take from us. And that that's part of your, like, acting classes. When, when people come to you for... It's well, singing classes, I guess. You te- I'm not a singing teacher or, or a vocal coach. What I okay. do is I teach acting through song. So people come to me who are, for the most part, they are singers and they want to learn about acting through song. They want to find out what their onstage persona might be like or a new one, like I found myself a new one a couple of years ago after years and years of being a certain yeah. way, changed that on stage. Um, they come to me because they want to know what cabaret is and how to do it. And I teach, and I have done for 20 years now, I teach the art of cabaret. Yeah. And, and I promote it as a genre in, in yeah. its own right. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of uh, Simon Cowell and Gary Barlow and, and a lot of other people have been very rude about cabaret on very big public stages over the years. And it, and it's not, it's not right, it's not fair, and it's not kind. Um Cabaret can be very bad. I've been in very bad cabaret and I've seen it too. But also opera can be very bad. And so can Shakespeare. And so can a singer that was produced by Simon Cowell. So it doesn't make any sense to say you're too cabaret and therefore you're eliminated. That For me, that's just lazy and and nonsensical. So I've done a little bit, I hope, to try and just redress the balance and go, excuse me, what have you... What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. You had nothing yeah. else to say. Yeah, you had so. nothing else to say, slash, they're just not for you. Well, then no. say that, but don't tarnish an entire century plus old, by the way, extremely important part of our theatrical history. Yeah. Don't tarnish it all with being crappy. No. Because it's not the case. It's not true. And I will fight to the death anybody that thinks it is. <laughs> and people can find you if they want to come and get some uh, some acting through singing. They can go through your website, Paul, uh, yeah. paulmartin.com and Paul, find you that way as well. paullmartin.com or any of the social media platforms you can find me on. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to stumble across me online yeah. just by searching <laughs> Paulus or Paul L. Martin. And yeah, I teach courses 
all round, all year round, and I do one-to-one sessions as well. So amazing! You do them via Skype as well. If someone's I, at other I do, yeah. I do. I prefer to meet people. I prefer to see people one-to-one if they can get to London or if they want to pay me to go somewhere else. But yeah, I do. <laughs> where the cathedral is? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to tell if that story. If there's a cathedral near where you live, I'll probably come just for the cathedral. Yeah, because you were saying that you will actually take gigs, weren't you, based on where the cathedrals are? Well, sometimes because cabaret doesn't have a lot of money. That's one of the okay. things about cabaret that makes a cabaret really is it's kind of lo-fi and and often the budget is quite low and i think that's some there's something very charming about that and you have to use your imagination rather than you know rely on a revolve and 500 you know uh costume changes and i think that that's i think it's a good challenge for a performer to not hide behind money and bells and whistles but it means that as a cabaret performer, you spend a lot of time being offered and taking jobs, which frankly are barely paying you expenses yeah. when you add up the amount of time you've spent and the amount you've spent on sandwiches and coffees in train stations and your Airbnb room or whatever it might be. But yeah. I still want to perform around the country and I still want to meet audiences and I still want to go to other cities. But in order to do that and then not be just like, why the blooming hell have I done this for? What a waste of time and money. I yeah. hate everyone here. I have to find another reason. So I will basically go to a venue, a cabaret show and perform for probably a lot less than you might imagine I would perform for <laughs> if there's a cathedral nearby that I haven't visited yet. <laughs> I've never lied about the cathedral, got you there, paid you nothing. Gone. Yeah. Uh. We're, yes, we're in this and they make up a city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they even burnt it down in Paris, <laughs> didn't they? Just before you came. I've got, I do have a book, so I can check whether there is really a cathedral. <laughs> I do know that none have been built in the last couple of years. So I think my book's up to date. And I will check. I will first of all check it exists. Yeah. I will second of all check whether I've been before, because I can't remember, because I've been going to cathedrals and ticking them off in my book since I was 15. And, uh, and, and then I might just see if there's any modern stained glass, because that's what I really want to see is the modern stained glass in the cathedral. But is this when you're not lying about it? one of your first jobs oh yeah well yeah my love of stained glass is based on complete lies yeah it is i um i worked in canterbury cathedral in the kiosk inside the cathedral when i was 15 and people come up to you all the time and that as many of your listeners will know is where thomas beckett was murdered and there's beautiful um sculptures and the stained glass and there was this modern stained glass really close to my kiosk and people are always coming up to you all day long and they'd want to know about the history of the cathedral or of that window or of this thomas a beckett step or whatever it is and because i'm 15 and it's just a saturday job i just lied i just made just made shit up really and it would, for months and months i would just say things like, oh yes well that window is from 1752 and it was made by sarah Kennedy uh, and, uh, and then after about six months I just, I just thought actually I'm going to find out the answer because you know they keep asking and now I'm kind of intrigued I want to know who did make this piece of stained glass because it's stunning it was the 1950s and it's Bosani actually yeah. the one I'm talking about if anyone knows Canterbury Cathedral the Bosani windows uh, near the kiosk for the cathedral gift shop which is still in the same place so I found out what, all about the history from the vergers and the other people that work there. And now I travel around the country looking for modern... So it's from 1950s onwards, anything from that, uh, uh, that era of stained glass, I will, oh. I will get quite aroused by. Well, <laughs> I will buy a lot of tea towels for that shit, I tell you. <laughs> well, there, there you are, you've heard. If you want to get in touch with me, it's paulelmartin.com. If you've got something modern and stained glass of a tea towel... <laughs> I just want him round. Just ask. Yeah, Jeff, just pop round, right? <laughs> well, we are finishing off now, because we, we're getting oh, into we? that time. Yeah, we are. We're getting oh. to that time. We've nearly hit an hour. Do you know we've nearly hit an hour? Is that a, is that a lot for your... Has it gone well? well I mean, is this a good sign? Well. Yeah, but 45 minutes from now, we look at, like, people get on the tube, they download it, they listen on the way to work. So yeah. we, we tend to say, like, between 45 and an hour, kind of like a, a journey. Are you gonna Are you gonna cut me mercilessly? No, not really. No. Well, I'll, I'll I'll cut the bit out of the beginning where I made a bit of a faux pas, a bit of a mistake with the shades of gay. I'll oh, do yeah. that bit. But gay yeah, rest, shay. yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> but I'll leave the rest in. So let's uh, to to uh, to cap off what we're gonna do. So it's been really nice to have you on. We've learned. I'll probably not touch the surface with, with no, your life. No, not really. You so don't know anything about my drug habit, do you? <laughs> well, we're not going into that. That'll be part, <laughs> that'll be part two on I'll that one. I'll have to come back another time and tell you about that. <laughs> 
Okay, we can continue uh, doing that, Bob. But what the was the time I went to... clubbing with Boy George in New York? You see, we didn't even get to that. We didn't talk about having dinner with Kim Cattrall or hanging out with Jerry Halliwell. It's oh. going to have to be a part two. Well, it's going to have to be a part two. Oh, an extended version that I can put on a website. Yeah. A bit of coin coming in to get That's you extended. A bit of extended version there. <laughs> <laughs> can do an extended version. Let's tell us about this. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that the whole. Oh, I thought we were stopping. Are we not stopping? No, we are. We are it's not a cliffhanger. It was going to be a cliffhanger. <laughs> You've ruined it now. I was going <laughs> to. I've got I edits. thought it was going to go boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I've got edits off. I've sung for them. No. <laughs> going into to, uh, post Brexit, what what have you got lined up for you? I'm going to I'm going to sit in my garden and I'm going to make jam out of the plums and the pears yeah. from my garden, and I'm going to tend my roses. I'm going to teach some people some stuff, and I might sing some songs. I'm writing a musical. That's yeah. exciting. I'm, When's that due out? So that well, Tribe is is in the show, and mm. the musical doesn't really have a name yet. In fact, I'm quite anti the fact that it's a musical. I'm having a bit of a problem with that All being right. what it is. But yeah, uh, I have done a version of it with a mixture of cover songs and. And my own uh, stuff, mine and Jordan's own stuff. And the next time it happens in 2020, it will be completely original material. And yeah. I'll be touring it in 2020. And, oh God, that's exciting. Ah, I'll tell you what is exciting. Okay. So Sarah, who named me Paulus. Yeah. She is a very, very, very talented uh, cabaret performer. Um, some people know her work because um, she has this group of characters she created, which are all under the umbrella of Cabaret Whore. Her name is Sarah Louise Young. And her recent Edinburgh Festival hit, An Evening Without Kate Bush, has just happened and uh, has had rave rave reviews for, mm. for very good reason. She is going to direct my next solo show, which is called Looking for My Friend, and it's the songs of Victoria Wood. Oh, wow. It's a tribute show to Oh, is that what Victoria you post on Wood. Twitter? Yeah. You, yeah. Put, you put a comment about, I do apologise my northern friends and things like that. I'd like to apologise to people in the north. It yes. must be awful for them, yeah. Um, I've been asking people online what their favourite Victoria Wood songs are so I can sort of work out which of the millions of songs she wrote I'm going to do in an hour-long show, which the first version will be an hour long. Um, and Sarah's going to help me curate that and her wonderful musical director and mine from years ago, Michael Ralston, he's slated to be the MD. And I haven't worked with either of them in this capacity for years. I'm really... Really excited to do that and a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I am a huge, huge Victoria Wood fan. Yeah. And I was and still am very, very saddened by her death. And I, the show is about, the show is about friendship. Mm. It's about how she felt about friendship versus fans. How we feel about famous people and what they give us and how you can feel like they're your mate or a member of your family and you've never even met them. Yeah. Um, but it's also about this amazing... The thing I think that's astonishing about Victoria Wood's work is that she created this sort of lexicon, um, uh, which a lot of, not just gay men, but predominantly gay men, let's be honest, used for many years in the 80s and 90s and into the noughties as a way of checking whether somebody was safe to talk to or right. maybe would be one of not not one of them because that makes it sound like the handmaid's tale yeah. but just just like are you are you on my wavelength do you get me are you a bit theatrical too are you a little bit other as well okay. so if you're looking for your friend kimberly and they replied yeah you're like okay well you know you must have been at a party or been in a bar where somebody says uh and and could I find a side winding body belt? Could I buffalo? And <laughs> and 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 someone else has said the could I buffalo for them because they know it too. Yeah. And it's from a sketch, you know, or grey eggs, is that an Arab customer? And it becomes this sort of banter, yeah. this sort of back and forth between people who have never met before and you've immediately broken the ice and found this common ground. She's like what she did was she created like a modern Polari. Yeah, really. Yeah, gonna say that, yeah. And it made people feel safe and like oh okay you're yeah. you're one of uh, yeah i might be interested in getting to know you better not necessarily to shag but yeah if that happens yeah. that happens you know and you just lie in bed you know doing acorn antique sketches together and never <laughs> having sex which sounds like like a wonderful weekend to me um i think some of these some of my best friends that i've ever had and i still have have been curated by a mutual love of her work yeah. and and just throwing catchphrases and lines and punchlines back at each other yeah 
And the people, the rest of the people in the room that don't know what, what's going on, <laughs> it must be really annoying for them. But that's what it's like when I sit in a room with men talking about football. So now they know what it's like. But no, I've done, I have done that in a supermarket. I have held up a red cabbage and shouted, yeah, exactly. red cabbage out much. And somebody and, has gone, red cabbage, no idea. And well, you I'm think, not, yeah, you've got a friend. I think when I lived in Elephant and Castle, no one did. <laughs> they got mugged on the way out. Yeah, but you... But you literally, when they when they do reply, when you shout one of those things out and you get a reply, I'm looking for my friend and somebody goes, have you seen her? And you think, there's yeah. one of my yeah. friends. But you're really, friend. really tall. Yeah, she's really, really tall and really, really wide. <laughs> if she had a suitcase on her, she'd be a fitted wardrobe. <laughs> I'm not doing, I'm not going to, well, I don't think I'm doing the sketches. It's no. definitely predominantly song. Okay. Um, the songs. Um uh, and I want to incorporate some of the jokes or some of the punchlines mm-hmm. or, or maybe a sketch, but I've only got an hour and there's yeah. so much to do. There's so much she did, you know. Uh, so there'll have to be a part two to that and a part three and a part four. I think, I think I've got, yeah, I think you've got a, a very interesting life. That when, when you get near the time to release it, let's get catch together. We could talk about your <laughs> drug abuse, your Jerry Alliwell, your. <laughs> Yeah. I like, like how you well. put those two things together. Though. I don't know. <laughs> there's a, I guess oh, there's I didn't a lot even more tell you about it. throwing Brian Conley around a room, did I? No, <laughs> we didn't get anywhere. This, lot, this is where these dens are coming in. But well, thank you very much it's for like joining us. Worst interview ever. We didn't even. It's such a. You've literally been one or two minutes. You're the longest interview I've had. <laughs> I can't help it if you just talk shit or tell all the time. <laughs> I thought that was what I was supposed to do. It was absolutely perfect. I've done it wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can, you can find wrong. Paulus online. Go to his YouTube channel, Paulus Paul L. Martin, if you want to see the try video. Or go across to his website. It's paullmartin.com. Any final words from you? Uh, we would like to apologise to people in the North. It must be awful for them. Thank you very much, Paulus. Thank you for joining us on The Shades of Gay. Mm-hmm.